welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chris Lewis from the Dad with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. And today, we've got two guests that I have known for a while now. We've got Joe and Mark Pellerito, and we are going to be talking about fatherhood today because the experiences, the journeys that both these dads have been on are very different. But they have, they're very passionate about what they do and really a, a testament to fatherhood. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the experiences that they've had. We're going to be having a bit of a conversation about adoption. We'll be talking about and finding your kid's heart and, and engaging your, with your kid's heart. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. So I'm really excited to be able to bring both of them on and to be able to talk to both of them. Mark, Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. You know, it's my pleasure having both of you here. Joe and I go back to college. You know, we have some definite stories that we can we, we definitely can share there about a time at Western Michigan University. And Mark, I got to meet through Joe, but I got to know his wife first. So, you know, his better half, I got to know at Western Michigan University. But, but definitely, I'm really excited to be able to talk to both of you about fatherhood today, about your experiences in fatherhood, because your experiences in fatherhood are very different from one another. So one of the things that we do on the Dads with Daughters podcast is I start off with some questions that allow for us to get to know you as a dad. So I'm going to ask you both a couple of questions that I typically ask because I want to find out more and see how you might be similar and how you might be different. You good with that? I think I understand that. And because my twin brother, by the way, he's my twin, yeah. he was born first. So I'm going to let him go first. <laughs> Dude, the, the same thought crossed my mind. I was itching to say it, and you went ahead and said it. <laughs> and we've had that happen before. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Similar thoughts, uh, et cetera. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. So first and foremost, here's, here's the first question that I want to ask both of you. Each of us, when we find out that we're going to be fathers, there's something that happens. There's a reaction. There's a, a feeling, a thought about what that means for you. So bring me back. And talk to me about that first reaction that you had when you first found out that you're going to be a father. The same thought I had then is the same thought I still have on a daily basis, which is I'm new at this. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm new at this. How, how, how can I possibly get it right, You know, know everything I need to know and all that stuff? And also, a funny thing for me was my wife and I, Marissa, we got married in the fall and then delayed our honeymoon to the following spring. We came back from that honeymoon already showing signs. <laughs> so we didn't have to try very hard. <laughs> it was just like, you know, we went from discussing, hey, how about we think about having kids to, oh, we're pregnant, you know, just like that. And right after we found out that we were pregnant, I lost my job. And then we found out it was two on the way, not one. And next thing you know, we're selling the house we just bought. We're selling the car we just bought and we're moving in with the in-laws. So it was a pretty interesting time. And I, and I have to admit, you know, getting all philosophical about fatherhood was not totally on my mind at that time, other than the fact that, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, and I'm new at this. That's good. So this is Joe and you're right, Chris, we, we have different paths here. And so my wife, Judy and I both decided, yeah, we want kids, but for us, it wasn't a thought and then it happened, right, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, 
for us, it wasn't happening, right? The first time when Judy was pregnant, we thought, wow, all right, it's happening. Of course, you start dreaming, right? We're like, well, we both have really good leg muscles. Our kid's going to have amazing calves. You know, like like we we start kind of dreaming like that. That'd be fun. But then that, that resulted in a miscarriage. And so then it was kind of like, oh, okay. We tried a lot of fertility treatments, anything you can think of. And, you know, that, that in itself was a roller coaster. You know, the hopes, the, oh, it didn't work. All right, let's try this. Let's, let's. And that, by the way, it's pretty costly as well. And to still never have it happen. So for us, it was definitely more of a a long journey, a marathon. And it eventually resulted, Chris, in we're both teachers. So we both decided maybe we have our kids already. You know, we're both teachers. And so we're going to embrace not having kids. And it it was a a grieving there. I guess this is what's going to happen. And then one of my wife's students knocked on her door and pretty much said, hey, that last choir concert we're about to do, she, her name's Tara and she's a senior. All those moves we're planning to do for choreography, I don't think I can do because I'm pregnant. And Brian, who is the father, we've already decided we're putting the baby up for adoption and we wanted you to know. So it was a little bit of a longer journey. I don't know if the conversation went exactly like that because I wasn't there, but that's the way I understand it to be. And by that end of week, we were having breakfast together and and talking about it. So it's a little different, Chris. It definitely is. And I want to go into depth on that a little bit later because, you know, we could have a whole podcast on that journey itself. But both of you talked about the fact that your journey of fatherhood started with some pain and some challenges, some things that you had to overcome to be able to get to where you are today. And I'm sure it, it took many years to be able to to become the expert fathers that you're at right now, right? Because we, we by now we're all experts at this, right? How new is this? <laughs> I think we're all new at this. Every, every step of the way, we're all new at this. But I guess for both of you, because you both had to go through those points of challenge. And I said, or points of pain, you know, for Mark, it was the loss of a job, the loss of a house, the loss of the livelihood and figuring out for yourself, what does that mean while I have two kids on the way and trying to kind of build that up and, and kind of, I'm, I'm guessing having to wrestle with the, the thoughts in your head of being a provider for the family, but also being a fa- becoming a father and being, as you said, new at this, And for Joe, you know, going through the process of losing a child, but then trying to figure out for yourself. So talk to me about the, the, what you, what you both had to do to be able to get into that space, because there's so many fathers that have to go through this, this pain in their life and and some aspect to be able to be present for the kids that they have in their life. But it's definitely not an easy thing to do. So how did both of you have to work through that to get to where you are today? This is Mark. So for me, and it took, took me a little while to realize this, I had to have a little bit of death to self. I had this idea that, you know, I, I could focus on me, on my job, my career, the things I wanted to do and all that stuff. And if I didn't realize it at the time, it, it didn't take me too long to figure out, wait a minute, I got to be all in here. It's not just about me anymore. I have to be all in. So yes, of course, we had to, you know, we had a lot going on and I had to find a job and we ended up moving across the country and we were on our own with two babies. But yeah, I mean, we did what we had to do and and I had to 
completely reorient and take my, uh, I guess I should go into a little bit that since kindergarten, I knew what I wanted to be as far as uh, a career. I wanted to be a meteorologist. And to me, that was at the time, the guy on TV, right? You know, that, that's what I thought I was meant to do. And I had just moved back to Southwest Michigan. I, I became a chief meteorologist at a TV station near where I grew up. I mean, I felt like everything was really falling into place for me. You know, the, this is my dream. This is what I always wanted. And then, bam, everything fell apart with the uh, news operation of that TV station shutting down, walking in one day, and it was gone. Everything was gone. And meanwhile, pregnant with two on the way, and then moving across the country, I mean, I, I really, in many ways, had to have a bit of a death to self, death to my own, at the time, I, I don't want to say selfish, but they were just, they were my dreams, and they are what I wanted, there is my plan, and it, everything got completely upended, and I had to refocus and be all in for the kids that were on the way. That's good. You we were joking earlier how we're all new at this, right? Well, of course, we're, you know, I, I'm new at being a father of a 15-year-old. And next year, I'll be new at a 16-year-old, you know, et cetera. But going way back, I'm the youngest of my family by 13 minutes, right, of family of five. So we didn't really grow up with a lot of kids, younger kids anyway, around us. We weren't babysitters, really. We weren't, you know, so in a lot of ways, it was really, so what's this fatherhood thing, right? And it was almost like piggybacking off of the excitement that I knew my wife had. But I'm open. Sure, it sounds good. You know what I mean? I kind of going along for the ride. But there is that moment, right? They always say it, you know, when when he's placed in your arms and, and all of a sudden it, it's very real. And Mark, so I can identify with you a little bit in terms of the death to self for sure, you know, of, hey, it's not about me anymore. But gosh, I was just so excited. So, so excited the whole time. And and for us, it was more, I would say, challenges wise. I mean, we embraced it full hearted. You know, it was it, it wasn't that big of a challenge to jump in terms of being a dad. But I think it's more particular to the adoption story of. This is an open adoption, meaning we have a relationship with the mom and the dad and the grandparents. And by the way, mom and dad stayed together. Right. They stayed together. They moved away to the state of Arizona. Grandparents are still here. And so in a lot of ways, it wasn't just adopting my, my son. It was almost being adopted ourselves into a different family. And that was a big aha. But with that challenge then comes, well, what are the rules? What are the boundaries to honor? All of that. So it, again, Chris, we can go into a long story here, but I, I think the original challenge to me was was just defining what family means because it, it very quickly was apparent it's not just the three of us. We have potentially eight grandparents. <laughs> you know what I mean? So seven or eight grandparents there. So it was more defining boundaries there. And I, I have just loved really every step of the way in terms of what each, each uh, stage of childhood brings. Now, one of the things that you just talked about was the the challenge of being able to kind of find those boundaries in your life. And for someone that has adopted a child with an open adoption like that, there's a lot of boundaries, Even, but there's boundaries that all of us have to set with our kids and, and with our own families. But I think, Joe, I want to have you delve a little bit deeper into that because I think not every father understands the the intricacies of adoption, but for you... 
I mean, as you are trying to maneuver through the, the life of a child in your son in an open adoption and for now 15 plus years, what kind of conversations have you had to have with your son along the years about that to be able to allow for him to best understand the dynamics in that regard? And maybe it's just normal, you know, because of the fact of how you've, how you've set that up. But, but how has that played out in regards to him having relationships with his biological parents versus both you and Judy? And how has that changed throughout the years? You know, it's pretty neat, Chris, because, you know, Tara became my, my son's birth mom became a choir director just like she is, right? She was the new choral director of the year for the state of Arizona. Brian is a professional chef, but he had some training in Pennsylvania. So the the fact that they came back together and really were pretty much together the whole time, now they have two boys. So hear me on that. So there's, my son has two birth brothers, you know, Miles and Link, and we have them over. We've all gone on vacation together. Guys, we gone to Disney World together. Can you believe that? So it really is an, an incredible, like, we do have a big family. It's just drawn a little different than what I would have thought. But in terms of the, back to the challenges, Chris, you know, it's when it comes to babysitting uh, early on, right? When, you know, honoring the grandparents. And, and I, I'll tell you right now, Tara and Brian, I don't think they really ever had, a, I'm assuming they didn't have really big boundary issues. They were really excited. They said they were already going through adoption. And, you know, in the adoption office, you look at brochures of families to pick, which is weird in itself, right? I mean, Judy and I actually went to the adoption office and we decided not to adopt because of that, all that feeling of, oh, we got to put this brochure presentation together. And it just didn't feel right. But anyway, Tara just said, well, we kept comparing it to you guys. So for them, they were as all set. But I think for us, it was more the figuring out with grandparents because there's a grieving on their part. And knowing when we arrive and see tears, a lot of the time, you feel bad, right? And at the same time, it's like, well, we're, we got to honor that they're grieving this. So anyway, it's, it's a really step-by-step, Chris, and just being very clear. Now to the conversation with Danny, he's always known. It's always been a part of the story. It's not something that was hidden for us. And it dawned on me, Chris, when we were showing a picture of Judy and Tara when Tara was a senior. And it was like a choir photo. And Danny, we're like, hey, check this out. Look who's on this picture. And he goes, oh, there's mom. Hey, look, there's Tara. And then he just looks at me really funny and goes, I bet I'm in there too, huh? (laughs) right so he understood from day one the story and there's a side of I guess Danny's sort of an only child with us but when he's with Miles and Link big brother comes out like he grabs their hand he shows them things and I can just tell he's so excited to be a big brother so I'm just glad we are open to this whole thing because it's, it's enriched our lives you can tell it's enriched your lives just from what you're saying there. And it's, I, I'm sure it's not the ex, the experience of all adoptions. And it's a unique story, just like every adoption story would be. And I appreciate that you, that you, you know, sharing this with us and being able to allow for us uh, kind of a glimpse of kind of the journey that you had to go on in that regard. Now, Mark, having three kids yourself, two that are in their teens, you know, starting to look at the future, trying to figure things out, trying to see what what their future holds. And and Joe, you're getting there too. I mean, with a 15-year-old too, trying to figure that out too. 
One of the things, Mark, that I was going to ask you is you have a, a, a fourth grader, you've got two 11th graders, you know, they're at different points in their life. And when you have multiple kids, you have to find that special spot to be able to have those, those unique relationships with your kids. Talk to me about what you've had to do over the years to be able to build and grow those unique relationships so that your kids feel connected to you, even when, as you said, you know, I know that part of your journey and being, being a meteorologist has taken you to all parts of the world where you've had to be away. But when you are home and you are able to be present, how do you create those unique relationships? Well, first of all, I can't view them as the kids. You know, like, let's take the kids and go somewhere with the kids. They're very different people, all three of them. Now, Joe and I were identical twins. My twins are fraternal, boy and girl twins, and they, they could not be more different from each other, not just because of different genders, but just personalities. They're, they're completely one way and the other. And so I almost never think of them as twins. And even if they were twin, like identical twins, I, I would try not to. Three very different people. And so I make, have always made a very conscious effort to have individual, I guess you could say customized relationships with the three of them and doing a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, you know, special activities with each of them. You know, sometimes, of course, we all do have to go somewhere all together. I mean, it's just a matter of logistics, right? As you mentioned, I, I, I have a pretty complicated job. Sometimes I'm out across the country or what have you. And most of the time, I'm not across the country, but I am working rotating shift work. Where I'm working days one week, then nights the next, then evenings the next, and having to somehow fit sleep in there as well. So despite all of that, I think for me, the, the biggest thing is making sure I take special one-on-one -on -one time with each of them. As you're doing that and you're identifying as they've gotten older, those special things that make them unique, what would you say is your favorite thing to do with each of your kids, Mark or Joe, for you and Danny to do together? Go ahead, Mark. Um, well, with my son, Evan, who, by the way, I'm 5'7 and he's 6'2". <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know where he gets that from, but probably our favorite thing is to go backpacking in the Adirondacks and hiking in general. I guess that that is one thing that all three kids have in common to some degree. We all like hiking, but specifically with Evan, it's not just hiking, it's actually backpacking, like like spending the night out in the wilderness and you know carrying in what we need and carrying and then leaving with it later. So yeah, and then with Autumn, she's the, now Evan, Evan's the 11th grade boy. Uh, 11th grade girl, Autumn, while we like hiking, in general, we like spontaneous trips anywhere, day trips anywhere. And we don't usually plan these out weeks in advance or anything. Like we will sometimes figure out the day before or even the morning of what we're doing. Just the other week, just for the heck of it, right before the new year, actually, it was it's just like, you know, I've always wanted to go to the end of Long Island, Montauk the lighthouse there. And by golly, we got up and we just did it. We got up before dawn and we got back after dark. We, we just drove five plus hours through the city and it was just great. And and just a lot of spontaneous adventures. One of the things about as far as the differences between not just the kids, but just all the family members, there's a, there is a division in our family. You have three of us who cannot stand being in the car for a second longer than necessary. And then you have two of us who could be in the car hours on end and it's like no time goes by at all and it's just fun. So it's not just the destination, it's the journey. 
that's me and Autumn. That we always go on all these adventures together. And then finally, the fourth grader, that would be Amelia. It is making sure like I'm taking an interest in her activities as well. Even if I'm not like, it's not my thing. For example, she's like really deep into Minecraft. She's also just, there's just all these things that she's always doing where it can be very tempting to just be on my phone while she is doing her thing. But no, I, I need to be conscious. I need to be there. And I need to listen to all the, the things that she in, is into. I need to at least have a working knowledge of because it's important to her. So it needs to be important to me. Yeah, well stated, brother. For my son and I, and I say that my son and I, because he is my only child, right? I feel like in a lot of ways, we're buddies. I know they always say you can't be buddies, right? Of course, I'm going to hold them to a standard and all that stuff. But uh, for us growing up, it's like I started taking them to karate. And after about three times there, I'm just sitting with the other parents watching. And I'm like, number one, this is boring sitting here, right? Number two, that looks kind of fun. I haven't done that before. you know. So I'm like, there wasn't a lot that a five or six-year-old and a 40-something-year-old could do together sports-wise. So I just jumped in. And so for about four years, three times a week, we're going to Tang Sudo martial arts classes together and we got our black belts together. To do something that consistent together was a really cool thing. I can also relate to Mark in terms of taking an interest in what he likes Because there are some things that I just do not get or I lose interest fast. And it is. It's putting my phone down, asking really good questions, lighting up for what he's excited about. He's going to remember that. So these days, as you mentioned, Chris, I have a podcast. It's called The Rechoice Podcast, R-E-C-H-O-I-C-E. And Danny has been a part of that for 50 plus episodes. He is very musically gifted, which, you know, nature or nurture. I mean, his birth mom is a choir director and his mom is a choir director, you know? So, but the point is he's really good at listening to something and being able to produce something on the spot. So he's been a part of that podcast. I think Chris, probably my, one of my favorite episodes last year was the Father's Day podcast because it was the dad joke spectacular, which is something that my son loves. He loves comedy. And he put together so many jokes. Chris, your joke was on the on there. Mark, your joke was there. I mean, like, the, or actually, I don't know if yours was Mark. <laughs> no, I know it wasn't. You know why? Because I, I, I kept, oh, I'll get around to it. Oh, I'll get around to it. Yeah. And I never actually got to it. <laughs> But that's okay. But I will say that that was one of the most popular episodes because it's just a bunch of joy. I guess all this to say, Chris, you know, for my son and I, it's finding things to do together, inviting him in, but then also taking part of what he likes too. Yeah. Each of us has to find that for ourselves because as I think both of you said in your own ways, there's going to be things that your kids love to do, but that you could have I mean, you could basically be saying, I hate this. This doesn't make any sense. Why would I want to sit here watching my youngest or my oldest used to love the show, The Backyardigans, and talk about earworm songs and all the songs that we would listen to over and over. over The phone. The phone is ringing. Like, we all know that one too, right? It's really old now. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to cut you off there. You know, and it's not even on the air anymore, but, but it's things like that, that, I mean, that now, you know, you spent the time you were there, you, and then, 
you know, it's I, I love the fact that with Danny, you know, Danny loves the code. And you can tell that in the conversation that you guys have on your show. It sounds like Danny should be t- working with Amelia and, and talking about Minecraft and and working together to build some really cool stuff. One of the things that I heard, I think both of you say in your own different ways was that you have to, I'm going to say, encourage the heart. And Joe, you talk about that because of the job that you have. And, I, and we haven't really talked about what you do. We've talked about Mark. Mark is a meteorologist. And he does some pretty amazing stuff all around the world and is living his dream now in many different ways. You have had, Mark's had to go th- as you said, you've had to jump around a bit to be able to find that job and that career for yourself. And Joe, you've done the same. You've, in the sense that you were, as you said, you and Judy have been, were educators for many years. Uh, Judy retired from being an ed- educator. Uh, and you, le- you decided to leave being an educator to educate mm-hmm. in a different way. And talk to me about the flipping group and what you're doing there to encourage the heart of kids across the country. There's a lot that the Flippin' Group does, which a great name, right? I have a flipping job where I'm, I'm telling you about our flipping workshops that we do. But one of the primary trainings that we do for the last 30 years is called Capturing Kids' Hearts. And, you know, Flip Flippin', yes, that's his name. The whole thought there is you can't get to a kid's head until you get to their heart first. So, yeah, let alone as a dad, how do I capture my son's heart? So we're excited to be together. But as a teacher with sometimes over 150 students, how do I tend to the hearts of 150 kids? I mean, come on, how do I, right? When I started in my career as a teacher, it was history. And I was very passionate about the topic of history. But if I'm not passionate about the people in front of me, it does not matter what I have to say, right? So, very early on, that whole training gives some great skills as a teacher, as a professional, but then also on any team. How do I listen better to people? How do I ask the right questions? How do I empower? How do I engage with people who might be different from me? And ultimately, you know, how do I raise the bar on what we're doing? That transfers right to being a dad. And I think that's probably the most powerful part of those trainings is that it's very transferable skills because I know where my leadership constraints most show up and that's at home. I can be a rock star at school, but if I, if I come home and tune out, those are the relationships I want to nail. I want to, I want to be like, I hope my son never says, yeah, my dad was all right. (laughs) You know, like I want to be like, I also don't need one of those t-shirts, right, Mark? Like our own father would always say, please don't buy me a coffee mug that says number one dad, <laughs> right? So <laughs> we're all the number one dad, right? I, I, we don't need that. But dang, I want to be a really good dad and I want to really be a really good husband. And so that's been a really, Chris, why did I leave the classroom? There was a lot of blending. I mean, my current career was uh, my summer job for several years. And eventually I decided well, let's give it a shot full time and see what happens. And what was my number one concern in doing that and having a job where I'm traveling everywhere? T-I-M-E. I just told you how great it was to spend all that time with my son in karate. I I know that that wasn't going to be possible with my new job. So we've all heard the quality versus quantity, right? Making the most of the time when we're home. So it's been good. I'm, I'm so, you know, my wife has been an incredible teammate in all of this. But Chris, it just, it really does boil down to if I really want to get 
to my wife's heart, to my son's heart, I've got to constantly be making investments. So you do these trainings for teachers all over the place to be able to help them to make those connections within their own classrooms. As you have thought about the work that you do with teachers and those transferable aspects into your own life personally, are there specific steps that Mark and I can do that are not in a classroom to be able to start capturing the hearts of our wives? Because we continue to have to do that, right? We need to do that as our relationships continue, but also capture the hearts of our kids. Are there some specific steps? Because if, we, if we've never taken these trainings because we're not teachers, what are some of the principles that are transferable that would allow for us to be better fathers? Well, I've got an acronym for you, right? I mean, but I really, when people ask me that question, well, what is your two-day training? You know, how do you, how do you give an elevator speech in 30 seconds on what the two days of training is? But I really think it boils down to a model called the Excel model, E-X-C-E-L. And so I'll, I'll just briefly identify what each one of those steps means, because I think it really centers on that. The first E is engage. So Mark, to your point, if I'm engaged with my phone, I've already missed that step with somebody. So engage what that means in terms of being there. As a teacher, that meant getting out in the hallway and starting the engage before the class even begins, instead of being lost in my email. It's like, hey, that's too important. I don't want to miss that. So E is engage. The next step, and it goes in this order, by the way, okay? X is explore, like explore, all right? And that just simply means before I jump into what I, I want to say, I need to ask some good questions, right? And be, hey, Danny, so how'd school go today? I mean, we all know that, right? But then asking even better questions than just yes, no questions. Like, did you have a good day today? Yes. How about this? Hey, what was the best thing about today? Does that sound a little different? Communicate. Now I can get to my agenda, you know, meaning like, here's my message that I'm going to communicate but I have to do it in a real relevant way that makes sense to them and their currency, right? And their understanding. And of course, also, you, you all know the saying, right? They don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So in that communicate step, I'm definitely translating that as well. Fourth step is empower, where I'm giving things to them and I'm giving them choices. So if I'm Mark uh, sitting with Autumn, we could do this or we could do this. What do you think? There's the empower. How much more excited will be she be when she's the one that gets to make that choice? Now, the empower step's not always fun, too, because sometimes it's about discipline, <laughs> right? Here's what happened. And so this is what you can do to resolve that. You know what I mean? So that, that that's the empower step, though, and that's the ownership piece. And then finally, the L is launch, meaning I'm not just going to hang up the phone. I'm going to, there's going to be some kind of message at the end. Those are some concrete things, Chris. And yes, there's an umbrella for teaching and the leading and all of that. I still think all of real effective communication, I don't care where it's from, it, it follows that model. People who are really good at it know how to do that. I think you're right. And I love that acronym because I think it makes it tangible, makes it something that we all can think about in our own ways and think about how are we or how are we not doing this in our current lives? Because 
let's be honest. I mean, fatherhood is not easy. It's not something that just comes naturally to everyone. And we all have to work at it. And as our kids get older, we have to work at it even harder because things continue to change. We all have teenagers right now. And even the teenage years becomes a, a bit more challenging in different ways, you know, as kids are are exploring their own identities and trying to figure out for themselves who they are and who they want to be. And speaking of that, I mean, both of you have teenagers as well now, as they and they're starting to think about the future. Let's talk a little bit about that. How are you capturing the heart, empowering them, encouraging them as they are starting to look at their own futures? First of all, I, you know, I told you the, the twins could not be any more different from each other. And in this regard, it's also true. I asked Evan about the future, and he's like, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I don't have to worry about that now, so why would I? He's a little more in the moment. And yes, these days, I, I'm probably not his best friend. I'm not mean or anything. It's just like, he'd just rather be with his friends and do his own thing. And, and then there's Autumn. Autumn is always wondering about the future and exploring and all that stuff. And so I guess one message I have for both of them is it's just a few years and it won't be long to where it's not up to me anymore. It's up to you. Where do you go in life? What do you do? What things matter to you? All that stuff. I'm giving you tools, but I'm not deciding any of this. I'm not telling you what you need to do in your life, what career you should go into, or which college you should. I get the impression sometimes there are dads, especially, but parents in general, who kind of have this mindset of, okay, I want my kid to become a blank, and then just keep pushing them that way. And I think it's important to not do that, <laughs> but to to make them realize early on that the path they take, it is, it is very much up to them. That's really good. I like that. And I, I wanted to go back to the Excel model for a second, Chris. I said it goes in that order, right? What happens if you skip one of those steps? So let's let, let me go straight to communicate instead of engaging and exploring first. And with teenagers, how do you think that translates multiple times if that's the pattern? I'm going to go straight to communicate with my daughter or my son, you know? Yeah, that, that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> I've identified an unmet expectation. Here it is. <laughs> right. There you go. And, you know, I, I just think about the, how teenagers start to push back, right? And and they start, they, they want to become their own person. And uh, if we don't slow that down and if we don't engage and explore, and then even, even if we communicate our truth, I don't know how we see it, a longer lecture doesn't make you more right. Like sometimes we're like, we we're, we're in, we get in that mode of, but I'm so right. And I, it does not matter what golden nugget of truth you have. It's not their truth yet. It's yours. Put it up, you know, so that that's, that's what I hear Mark doing is I'm going to give it to my son or daughter to voice and decide. And th those are the skills that they're going to need from there on out. And, and Mark, when I think back, how can we not talk about our own father, right? That's certainly one thing our parents did for us, I, I think, is they, they let us decide things. And whether that means our spiritual beliefs, whether that means where do you want to go to college, you know, all of that, they were both so good at listening in on that and letting us decide and then show and, and then encouraging our dream, whatever they were. Mark, you're, you're absolutely right when you see the parent that is so 
driven. Or how about this? Whose life is it? Exactly. You're my son or you're my daughter or you are your own person. And it's going to be interesting to see where you take it. I do believe, too, that if we push on kids, eventually they push back because that, that's a natural response. That's when you get the person that seems to go completely opposite for a while. I'm going to honor their choices and I'm going to guide them for sure. I'm not going to say anything goes, but at the same time, I, I need to honor their choices because I'm not going to always be there. Very true. And, and so, Joe, so what kind of conversations so far have you had to had with Danny about his own future? Well, interesting you say that because I try to think back to when I was a sophomore in high school. And if you were to ask me about my future, I would, I would have nothing to say. I'd be like, well, what's tomorrow? <laughs> Let alone another way that Joe and I are different despite being identical twins. <laughs> True. Because I, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. You know, I, I didn't know that for a long time. It was more of a, a weaving path for me, for sure. But Chris, you know, for me, it's, it's when I ask him about his future, uh, it, it is. It's like, what are you thinking right now, buddy? Do, when you think of college, is that on your radar? What kinds of things do you think you'd like to do? Now, I already know what he wants. Path, like he's so musically gifted. I'm just telling you. But I don't think that's necessarily like his thing right now. Like it's a fun thing, but it's not like he's like, I want to be a clarinetist. I want to, no, that's not, he's more the tech person right now. He'd love to produce things. So he's probably going to go into some kind of computing, computer science. And he does know that Ferris State University in Big Rapids, Michigan has a quite a game design place there. He, he'd love to produce music for video games. He already does that. <laughs> so Chris, I, I, I guess I'm not sure how to answer that question. We're, I'm very present right now, but and I'll ask questions about his future, but I'm not, I guess I'm not thinking five years ahead right now. We might have to have a conversation in a few years then again with all three of us and see where we're at because our kids will be in college at that point and seeing where their future lies, even though college doesn't always even say exactly where you're going to end up, but it's going to be interesting to see where, where that all plays out. Let's, let's put it this way, Chris. I'm not as concerned about what he's going to do than I am about how he's going to be. What kind of person is he going to be? And I've always got to be thinking about, am I doing experiences that will help inform that? So for example, last night we were downtown Grand Rapids with a group handing out socks. It was the uh, great sock giveaway. I didn't coordinate that. That was actually through the Eric Zane show. But as he's walking around, he's like, hey, this is the Bombas guy. The Bombas socks where when you purchase one, you give, they give one away. He's like, I got to be a part of that today. Like he was, you could see the wheels turning. So again, I'm like, what experiences am I putting in place that'll serve him well for whatever he decides to do? I'm more concerned about what kind of person he's going to be instead of what you're doing. Hey, Joe, you may remember something. This goes back many years. Okay. When Evan was a little strong-willed, I don't know, let's say five to eight years old, somewhere in that range, just very strong-willed. And we were having a challenging time once and I was describing it to you. And I was like, I keep seeing a little me. You remember me saying that? (laughs) A little me. And Uh the reason I mentioned that is I still see a little me in him sometimes. And what I mean by that is where the only thing that matters to him is what matters to him. (laughs) what's directly in front of him right directly in front of him and what meets his needs and that's exactly the way i was growing up and it took me a long time i think it took me having kids to really (laughs) 
put it all together to realize, you know, maybe the world's a little larger than Can we say that that's, that's a gift, though, too, right? Oh, yeah. When you're driven, you're going to get it done, you know? But, yeah, of course, having kids throws some monkey wrenches into that. So. Yeah, and so as far as like trying to guide my kids into what I the kind the kind of person I hope them to be, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it can be very uh, challenging for sure. The daughters, and I don't know if this is a gender thing or what, but it's just the way it is in our family. The daughters are a lot more empathetic and worldly thinking, whereas me and Evan is <laughs> a little more <laughs> direct and what's right in front of our face and what matters to us more. I don't know. It's just been so as I have grown away from just doing that, like this happens with age, right? You just start thinking more purposefully and, you know, big picture. And so <laughs> as I try to guide Evan, my son, and, and, and all that, it's not just what, what I want him to be, but it's what I want him to not be which is like me <laughs> like it's at least the way i was you know i'm trying and and this is i think you have a saying joe something about tuition uh is cheaper or something oh, i i know what it is it's uh they say that experience is the best teacher but if you could take the advice the tuition is cheaper <laughs> like like we, we all say that right mark we all say experience is the best teacher but the thing is that that costs a lot of time sometimes. And if, if we can take the advice of somebody else's experience, I'd rather pay that. And I am so wanting to give the advice to provide the shortcut to my son to get away from being a, a little tunnel vision like I was. Imagine if I knew then what I know now. And I'm trying to like, you know, push that on him. And it's like, I guess I can't. <laughs> I've tried. Mark, you know what's funny? It's one of these days, who knows when, and fathers out there that are listening, this will happen. <laughs> it's If it hasn't happened already, where maybe one of your kid's teachers or one of their friend's parents or somebody like that, they come back to you and they're like, hey, dad, guess, guess what Ms. Williams said? A, B, and C. And you're like, that's great, but I've been freaking telling you, excuse my language, I've been telling you A, B, and C for the last 15 years, but all of a sudden it's this big deal because somebody else said it. That just happened to reverse to me just the other day, actually. The other day being New Year's Eve, I took my son and his friend up into, like, we went we went hiking into an overlook that overlooks the city of Binghamton, and there were fireworks that night. Like, we, we got up there purposefully, you know, even though it was like, you know, technically not open, right? You know, it's a park that's uh, that's closed at sunset, but we found a different way up there so that we could see the fireworks from, you know, it's just, and it was so fun. You know, it was just great. And then uh, the friend's mother the uh, the following day was like, hey, thank you so much. He loves outdoor things, but he never, if it's my idea, he won't do it. But because it was your idea, you know, a different father, a different parent and with his friend, well, then he is all for it. Well, and so Chris, I'm going to bring this back to you and what you, you do and what I so appreciate, you know, you pour your heart into connecting dads, you pour your heart into how can we do this together? And you provide an avenue for some dads to go, maybe I can connect to somebody else and, and get our kids connected because uh, yeah, th thank you for providing that platform. 
Well, you know, it's definitely been a passion project, right? I mean, I think that so many of us, as we get older, we focus on our families, right? And, And a lot of times men are conditioned to feel like they have to go it alone, that they don't ask for help, that they that there's some expectation that you should just know what to do. And depending on the type of relationship you have with your own father, the own the experiences that you've had growing up and being able to see role models that have allowed you to be able to learn what fatherhood is, a lot of it, times it's isolating. So, you know, over the years, fathering together communities have definitely, we've tried to build those into a community, to communities that will allow for dads to be able to connect with one another, which I think is so important because we all need to be able to be vulnerable in our own ways, to be able to say, I'm new at this, coining Mark's new phrase here, and be able to say, yeah, I've been a parent, I've been a father for 15 years, but I still don't completely know exactly what the heck I'm doing. And what have you done, right? Because I may not be comfortable walking next door and talking to my neighbor that lives right next door to me who has kids about the same situation because it makes me feel less than. You're not going to show your cards, right? Right. But, But what's weird is that on a social media platform, even though it's not anonymous, there's some anonymity. And you feel like you can be open. And we've seen that time and time and time again. Which, and it's so unique in that, re, in that regard. So um, it's, been, it's been a great opportunity to be able to see that happen and continuing to push for that to happen even further because we all need to be vulnerable in our own ways. And can I, can I jump on that word vulnerability for a second? Yeah, go ahead. I think with kids too, it can be pretty disarming to be just a little vulnerable rather than doubling down. Do you know what I mean by that? Definitely. I've seen that numerous times in my own life that sometimes you have to play, you know, put your cards down on the table and just kind of say, I mean, even even when you get into arguments and you know you're wrong, but you're you're fighting for your own, you're fighting for your own uh, piece of the, you know, piece of the pie, we'll say, right? Uh, But then, you know, taking that time to step away and be able to say, come back later and say, I was wrong. Yes, I own it. You know, here's, you know, here's what I was trying to say. You know, we weren't communicating well, but we need to talk this through and be able to show that, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a parent, but that doesn't mean that I'm an expert. That doesn't mean that I'm not, I'm not fallible. Yeah. Now we always finish our interviews with what I like to call the fatherhood five, where I ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a, as a dad. So are you guys ready? Bring it. Okay. This time I'm going first, Mark. Got it, man. <laughs> okay. So Joe, in one word, what is fatherhood? Relationship. And Mark? Hi. <laughs> ah, I steal yours? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe an adjective. And, and y'all that are listening, Mark has been up for how long? Oh God, I don't know. Um, he, just, he just got a night shift done, and yeah, he's usually busy one of them. <laughs> we had a lot of uh, mixed rain and snow, and all sorts of. I was going to yeah. say we have we need a we need a meteorological analogy here that the fog is rolling in. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's good. One. Oh yeah, I'll give you a pass on that because the fog is rolled in. But so so second here, Joe. When was the time that you finally felt that you succeeded? at being a father. 
Well, shoot. I'm going to relate it back to the podcast. This is just something that hit me recently. So my son and I were walking the dogs out in the park, right? And he just says, I want to be on your podcast. So I'm like, well, you're on my podcast. Like he's, he does the music, but he is like, no, I want to be a guest. Like I didn't have to ask him. That was kind of a win. You know, that was a win. Like, Hey, he's, he wants to be a part of something together. A more recent one, Chris, sorry, you're only asking for one, but we went skiing together last weekend twice in a row. One of the things that I was going to say is that listening to that episode between you and your son, you can tell that there is a, a really unique and special relationship there and that you guys have do have a lot of fun together. So I encourage, and we'll put a link in the notes today to that episode for everybody to listen to, but but it is a, it was, is a really fun episode and they and you guys have a great rapport in the sense of re, right? We use the, re, the R-E there, uh, rapport together to be able to have some fun with that as well. Thanks, Chris. And you're right. That episode kind of does show his interests and taking part in that interest. So we'll just leave it at that. What about you, Mark? More of a process for me. I'm going to say that it took a good four or five years before I finally let go of the things that I me personally wanted to do and all that and and just let it go and put the kids really first. I mean, I I was winging it up to that point, but then when I really went all in on it, I, everything just fell into place, not just with me and the kids, but me and my wife too, just everything started. There was a more harmony to it, I guess you could say. Now, Joe, if I was to talk to Danny today and ask him about you, how would he describe you as a dad? Hey, Danny, come here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Danny, here's the question for you. So if I was to ask you to describe your dad, how would you describe your dad? Cool. Is that it? (laughs) Well, we gave that a shot. I'll take Joe cool. I'll take Joe cool. He would describe it as too early on a Saturday morning. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, hey, Joe cool. I I like that because uh, I'll be cool as long as I can. Let's put it that way. Though I'll tell you when I'm not cool. It's when I start doing Fortnite dances in front of his friends. He'll he'll like punch me. I think it's fun. <laughs> if I started doing those type of dances and had my own TikTok channel and you know and embarrassing the kids that way, then yeah, definitely would not be cool. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Funny that we're on the subject of coolness, and also on the subject of your prior question, which is when did, when did you get at least a nice little feeling of, Hey, maybe I got this father thing, fatherhood thing down a little bit, completely unsolicited out of nowhere. This was about a week or so ago. My son told me that his friends think I'm cool. (laughs) I'm the cool dad. (laughs) Virtual high five, buddy, Pam. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know, I I guess to me that means that I'm apparently interested in all the things that he and his friends are into, right? Like they they feel I have a authentic interest in that and also that I'm always taking them to do neat things and often spontaneous, you know, and doing all these activities in one-on-one time. I think apparently he values that. I know my daughters definitely value that. Yeah. Mark, I know how you and Evan have butt heads before, so yeah. it's an especially special moment, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Because, <laughs> you know, usually I'm the guy who's like, what do you know, Dad? You don't know anything. I know everything. 
<laughs> well, and he said earlier he values his friends so much, right? And his friends say that you're the cool dad. So he's really going, huh? Yeah. His, his friends think he's all right. Maybe I should give him another shot. <laughs> yeah. You'll take it any way you can, right? That's good. That's right. <laughs> so, Joe, who would you say inspires you to be a better dad? I've got some really awesome friends um, that I work with in the flipping group. And so, you know, I think of my friend Vern Hazard, Ron Fox, Shane Naderman. Mark, you don't know any of these guys other than through the podcast. And in fact, Chris, I know you've heard a lot of ours, but there's some real dads there that are back to where we started that, you know, some of them it started in pain, but that doesn't have to determine the future. And with all of those dads, uh, Kenny Joyner, he's another one. He's the author of a book called Without a Father. Just a great example. I value anybody who chooses a different path and says, I'm going to do things differently and and not look to the past as an excuse or a reason on why the w- things are the way they are. They just decide, you know what, whatever I got to do, whatever it takes, I'm going to start something different. And sometimes that's a daily occurrence for me. <laughs> all right. That was not a good day. I'm going to do something different tomorrow. I'm, I don't want to settle. And so it's, it's people like that. Chris, it's people like you too, that you're keeping your eye on the future versus letting things happen. I'm going to make things happen. What about you, Mark? One of the things I was just hearing in, in other words being said by you, Joe, is it's up to me. Whatever the situation is, it's up to me. As far as the fathers, I, what people do I look up to for being a better father? Joe, I will put this on you. I, I am utterly amazed by you all the time because for me, I'm always like trying to be like, all right, just trying to get my ducks in a row and focus on me and try to, gosh, I'm enough of a thing to focus on, you know, all these things that I could be doing better. And then I look over to you and I see you always branching out and trying to be a force multiplier. You're not just trying to make yourself better. You're trying to make, uh, you're trying to give everybody the tools to, so that four, five, ten people can be better so that they can branch and do four or five more people each. And pretty soon you got a hundred people all doing, getting things a little more figured out and a little better. I'm like, man, I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I guess I need to back back up for a moment. So Joe, I look to you and I see, I see all these, that you're not just focused on yourself, but you're trying to be a force multiplier. And then for me, I keep coming back to the question of, if not you, then who? And I'm talking about myself here. I ask myself, okay, if not you, then who? These kids have one dad and and I, I need to not just be good for, oh, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm sorry. It's brain fog time for me. I, I love the statement that your kids have one dad, you know? I mean, it's, it's one of those things you hear all the time. You're not going to get this time back, blah, 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 blah. You hear all the time. The kids grow up so fast, et cetera, et cetera. And it's amazing to me that your 11th graders are knocking on the door of leaving. Yeah, that's crazy. That It's right around the corner, right? That is a window I've been very cognizant of closing. It's like, wow, this is the last, you know, potentially the last Christmas coming up. You know, this is the potentially the last spring break coming up. This is potentially the last summer coming up all together, you know, it's one nuclear family before things start to open up and the nest empties. Yeah, it's really something. And I, and I, yeah, I'm just like suddenly very, very aware of like, you know, of final chances, last chances. 
only chances, and, and depending on the situation, of being able to make my mark on them and put the tools of their future as they move on. So, Chris, I hope we answered your question in terms yeah. of what, but I think it is uh, just to kind of come back full circle on that. There is an element at some point that who inspires us today, we, we actually have to look for that sometimes. In other words, we have to connect with other dads. We've got to connect. We have to hear somebody else's story. We've got to apply what we're listening to or, or, or who we're with. And, and just my, my current word of the year, you know, resolution wise, you know how people have resolutions, Chris, we do our, I do mine in November when it's Mark and I's birthday. <laughs> right. And I pick a different word every year. So to kind of piggyback off of what Mark was saying, my current word is multifly, meaning Canadian geese flying in a V. We take turns in leadership. And so sometimes that means letting another dad take the head in terms of like what we want to do with our kids, right? Sometimes that means me starting something and inviting other dads with me and their kids. It also means honking words of encouragement because we're sometimes our worst critics, right? Yeah, definitely. Dads. And even that, I don't want to accept that because I've heard dads before say, I'm just a terrible person. That's too easy to say that. Like it almost becomes an excuse. I'm a victim. I'm a, nope. So multiply, whatever that means to you guys. I, <laughs> I just mean we, we got to, we've got to connect to other dads that bring out the best in us. Instead of doing the passive thing, which is to try to go it alone, you're going to get what you always got then. Well, both of you have shared some amazing advice today, some kernels of, of, of many different things. It's been an amazing conversation today. The last question that I have for both of you is, as we finish this show today, as we finish our conversation today, what's one piece of advice that you'd want to give to other dads to help them be better dads? I'm trying not to repeat myself here, but... I guess I will say it again. And, you know, you really do have to be all in. You can't, like, for example, be a person focused on your career, like, overtly to where, you know, you are a, uh, let's say, for example. Firefighter. Okay. I often think that many dads go in thinking, okay, I'm going to be a firefighter, or I'm going to be a computer engineer, or whatever. And that, like, that is their identity. And then they kind of, you know, oh, and I'll try to fit in family on the side. I'll try to be a dad too, I guess. But my identity is my job. What do you do for a living? Is that, is that not the first question that you often get as an icebreaker? What do you do for a living? And my advice is, fathers, your answer to that question better be, oh, I'm a father who happens to be a firefighter. I love it. And in my case... I grew up wanting to be a meteorologist since birth. And so, you know, who are you, Mark? For an awfully long time, my answer to that was, I'm a meteorologist, or I'm going to be a meteorologist. I've become a meteorologist. And like I said before, it took me a good three, four, five years before I started answering that question. I'm a father, I'm a husband. Oh, and, and I, you know, my job is a meteorologist. I think that's well said. It reminds me in teaching as a high school teacher when people would say, oh, you're a teacher. What do you teach? I teach students. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. So, you know, one piece of advice I would have, I can't just give it one. I mean, I, I guess I'll just say this. It boils down to how do your kids spell love? And I think for my son and my wife, actually, it would be T-I-M-E, right? And maybe your audience is familiar with the concept of love languages, but I think it's figuring out the currency of each kid. Is it time? Is it a surprise gift? Is it doing acts of service for that person? Oh, there's physical touch, right? It might be wrestling, <laughs> right? <laughs> like but there's something about that, right? And then words of affirmation. So I, I think figuring out what is the currency of the people you have. I, I, I think I'll just park it there, Chris. There's more I could say, but I think that figuring out somebody's love language, so to speak, helps you engage in that relationship and grow it. Well, I just want to say thank you to both of you. All of this has been amazing. It's been a great conversation. You know, this this is a much longer episode than we typically have, but I have loved every minute of it. And you guys are amazing fathers. And I love the stories that both of you brought. So we'll let Mark go and sleep. And, and, and uh, definitely, I appreciate you being here today. And I wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, it's been great. Make it a great day. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be